Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here to talk about a concept that I think is very important for people to understand, both for growing a law practice, but also for framing things in general and being able to get the outcomes that you want for clients, which is ultimately what everyone's in this to do. So the thing that triggered me into thinking about this was a conversation that I was having with a prospect who was looking to diversify into estate planning. So in his opinion, he was charging a very fair price. And this was in a pretty wealthy part of California, but he was charging about $2,500 for an estate plan, trust-based planning package. And the question came up about asset protection for Medicaid, Medi-Cal type stuff. And I mentioned that, yeah, you know, we were working with some clients that are closing ten dollars or $15,000 retainers for that kind of thing. And he absolutely bought. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what, man? They got some people around here that are doing that. And I think it's absolutely crazy. I would never charge that much. So I asked him why. And he said, well, if the client knew how little work went into it for the charge of ten dollars or $15,000 that these, these attorneys were charging for fees, it would be the worst thing in the world. They'd, they'd feel like they were really let down. And I wasn't about to lecture him because it was a sales presentation, but I really believe that this is a toxic belief system that's going to be holding people back from charging what they're worth. And also, if you can really internalize this sort of belief, I'll show you how you can actually use this as a concept to close more consults. So I think with this particular guy, the challenge kind of starts from from where most people start, because if you're in big law, you have to answer for your hours, your you know your company's billing you hourly, and you have to constantly know everything as far as five or 15 minute increments, right? So basically, there's a different type of pricing, and that's usually kind of the default that most attorneys are starting with. And there's a different kind of pricing that people have, and this is actually something you might be familiar with, which is called value-based pricing. So the weird thing is that this is a concept I find is in the minority as far as attorneys that really get it, but there's actually a very visible practice area that does this all the time, and that's personal injury. So if you get somebody a million dollar settlement as a personal injury attorney, you're entitled to 33%. But there's a lot of other industries where this is the case. So most people who are commission-based salespeople, you know, you'll take 10% of the sale or whatever. Top hedge funds will usually have a percentage of two and 20 is a super common scheme where it's 2% of the value of the assets, 20% of the gains that are on the portfolio. And people are happy to do this because ultimately, you know, we're in a free market economy and the economy runs on value. And, you know, if you want to look at this from just a pure financial perspective, everything really boils down into money in and money out. And again, not the hours that went into producing that, right? So let's take the million dollar personal injury settlement. Let's let's boil that down into like, you know, the bare numbers. And this is going to seem ridiculously straightforward, but um, we're going to be bringing it back to transactional and retainer-based work in a bit. So don't worry, we're getting there. (laughs) So that client is basically paying $330,000 or so for the services of that attorney. And that attorney's services are going to bring that client around $660,000 because the client isn't able to do that on their own, right? So do you think the client really cares whether the attorney ends up spending a thousand hours on that case to make them $660,000 or 10 hours, right? It's 
pretty much at the attorney's discretion whether the work is going to actually increase the case's value. But I'm sure you can think of a lot of examples where less work is involved. Maybe they are a feared litigator that people want to settle with because they don't want to see him across the courtroom. Maybe they know the right people to put the pressure on at the insurance company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of instances in which the value is not changed in a way that's directly measurable by the hours, right? And let's take it to the most ridiculous example. Would it be worth it if the attorney in question was putting in zero effort? You know, this maybe wouldn't be a situation what you're getting from a million dollar case value, but, you know, maybe something that's a little bit smaller that you can settle with a demand letter. And, you know, maybe it's only worth a few thousand dollars, but if it literally is just printing out a letter, putting it into the mail and getting some sort of a settlement out of an insurance company, is that worth it? If it's taking virtually no time at all, maybe the attorney doesn't even touch it. Maybe his assistant does it. And honestly, if we're talking about the outcomes, I really don't see why not. The market doesn't care. If we're talking about a hedge fund, it doesn't matter whether the person spent 10,000 hours or just had an inside tip because he's a genius or whatever, right? If you're going to get a you know 50% increase on your portfolio, then yeah, that's 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 a, that's a win, right? As long as it's sustainable, obviously. But um, you know, the market really doesn't care about that stuff, right? It's just money in, money out. And the client may care, but at the end of the day, they really shouldn't, right? So, so on and so forth. So switching gears, why was the young attorney that I was speaking to in the beginning wrong? And that was because he was looking at the input instead of the value, right? So the thing is, it's, it's kind of hard to take yourself out of what you know as an attorney. And this is true of any domain, really. But once you know how to set up an irrevocable trust, it's a little bit more effort than setting up a more basic trust, but it's not five times as much effort, which in this instance is basically what he'd be charging. But from a financial perspective, looking at being in the consumer's shoes, it can be a lot more value, right? So people generally get uh, more standard trusts to avoid probate. And you know the, the AARP stat that they always throw around, you know, five to 7% of the value of the estate is, is usually what ends up getting lost in the process of probate. But um, people get these more sophisticated advanced trusts to avoid a lot of the times nursing home costs, nursing home bankruptcies, being able to qualify for Medicaid. And state by state, that can easily cost ten dollars or $15,000 per month. So basically, the difference in hours, if we're looking at it from that perspective, it's, it's really not a tremendous difference. But the value to the client, uh, let's take somebody who has a million dollar estate, right? Or you know, between their 401k, their home, whatever, and it's not a terribly outrageous sum. But basically, that person, if they lose all of their money, if you consider 5% of that estate, maybe it's $50,000. If you consider if that person ended up being in a nursing home for 10 or 20 years, they could lose every single piece of money in that. So that could easily be a 10 or 20 times value for that small increase in the amount of drafting work that's doing. Now, I'm definitely not like implying that you should switch to percentage billing as if it was personal injury, but frame from this perspective, right? If you're having $15,000 to protect 5, 10 or you know, 20 times that, and again, this could be you know, $115,000 times 12 every year, right? It's, it's a steal. But it all depends on the frame of reference, which is what segues me into the next point, which is value-based marketing and sales, right? So hopefully you've gotten over any moral hangups to charging based on the value provide, not necessarily working more hours, right? And again, another super great discussion we had on this, which uh, was with guest Jeff Katz. So another kind of example too, he runs an estate practice out of Thessa, Maryland, 
And basically he's made his process so efficient that it takes a fraction of the time. But, you know, people are still being protected by probate at the end of the day. So he's not trying to race to the bottom and compete against LegalZoom, which is never going to work, but you get the idea. So the next step, once we've made that, we've accepted this premise is we have to learn how to communicate the value that you're providing to a client, right? And like I said, because big law is teaching attorneys to show their work and because, you know, as an attorney, you have a specific skill set. And a lot of the times they like to show this off to clients. A lot of the consultations end up being an uphill battle because you're telling people about the inputs that you provide and not the outcomes that they will get. And um, by the way, I find this kind of interesting, too, because I, you know, I'll challenge people on this sometimes. And, and when a lot of the times when people are pressed on this question, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this to be fair to the client. It's out of concern of the client. But really, honestly, when you think about it, it's taking more empathy to be able to present things as they matter to that person instead of just talking about how cool you are and how much work you're going to do, right? So ultimately, you have to be more empathetic to get that uh, that perspective. It's, it's, it's actually easier to just talk about yourself. <laughs> uh, but anyways, if you can kind of get out of the habits that might be ingrained, being trained as an attorney actually has an advantage here because basically what you need to do is the same as building a case, Right. So even if you haven't thought about litigation since law school, like, you know, you know, you can't simply just you know present the facts and expect a judge or a jury to come to the same conclusion that you and your client have. Right. You have to lead them step by step. And this is something that you need to do with your consultation process and hopefully your marketing to some extent. So let's work up to the conclusions that somebody needs to make in order for asset protection of Medicaid to be a, a logical outcome. Right. So we'll just build it brick by brick. So first, we need to start off and say, statistically, Mr. Client, you or your partner will probably need long-term care at some point. I think the stats are probably 70 or 80% of couples end up having that. The cost of long-term care in the state is about $15,000 per month. Now, you could be in a situation where you're staying in long-term care for years, and believe it or not, many people end up bankrupt, losing their homes. And again, that's a bad situation in and of itself. But also, most people aren't working their entire lives to build a nest egg to pass on to a nursing home. They want to pass it on to their family or their church or whoever they want to do that to, right? And basically, if you wait to the point where you end up breaking a hip or you know someone ends up losing a couple steps and they have to you know be taken care of in a nursing home facility or in-home care, if you come to me when that event happens, you're going to be paying that out of pocket because federal government has a five-year look-back rule. Now, we do have a way that you can protect this, and it's called an irrevocable trust. And that basically allows you to qualify for benefits like Medicaid to pay for long-term care. And this is actually something that you've already paid with with your taxes, believe it or not. So ultimately, do you want to pay potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of years for care when, not if the day ends up coming, or would you like to protect your life savings and everything you've worked for by getting some documents set up in the next month with me? And the cost for that is going to be $10,000, right? So anyways, the, the attorney who can communicate that stuff the best in their marketing and intake process is the one who's going to be consistently winning the business, right? You know, the other thing too, is that when you're talking about the stuff that you're going to provide, there's really no context when people go into this. Oh, I'm, I'm going to spend 10 hours in this. I'm going to spend a hundred hours on this. It really doesn't matter because they have no idea what you're doing. It really matters about getting to the outcome. And that's pretty, pretty much it. So, you know, people are like more logical than I think we give them credit for. And obviously it's easy to make jokes about irrational prospects and that kind of thing. But ultimately they don't know what you know about this process at the end of the day and if we're able to draw them to the conclusion where they understand what's at stake more people than you think are going to take the next step 
So honestly, I've been really kind of fascinated with this whole concept for a while, but it really shouldn't come as a surprise that, you know, most of the large boutiques that are doing kind of advanced estate planning stuff have been using seminars as a model for decades. And I think the reason why this works so well is because they're able to really educate effectively, present the case as they want it to be presented. And then ultimately they're communicating the value, they're communicating what's at stake, and they're ultimately saving people a ton of money and they're collecting large fees, but they're ultimately fair. And I think this is kind of interesting too. And I'm, I'm semi-joking when I say this, but you know, it's so common for personal injury billboards to say, "Hey, oh yeah, we've you know we've recovered hundreds of millions of dollars for our fees." But you know, why can't estate planning firms say, "You know, we've saved thousands of families from probate," or "You know, we've saved millions of dollars of assets from nursing home bills?" You know, I'm mostly joking, but you get the idea. And also, you know, keep in mind, I'm using this specific example of advanced estate planning here, but this really applies to any kind of transactional retainer based or retainer based law, uh, basically anything outside of a contingency, right? And I'm not going to list specific examples, but take the time if this isn't applying directly to you, but um, take the time to think about how you're going to put what your client ends up getting out of an engagement with you into dollars and cents. And uh, I'll leave you guys with that for this week. One thing, if you've liked this episode or any of the episodes that we put out so far, please tell a friend about this podcast so we can get the message out. Ultimately, we're here to help more law practice owners build their business, and that's going to allow them to help out more people in their community, which is what we are all about. So until next time, I'm Jan Roos, and I'll see you next episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast, Tuesday at 8 a.m. Central. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.